Have you ever asked yourself what it would take to build a better Canada? Not just notionally, but literally. A Canada that's greener, healthier, happier, and wealthier. We have. More importantly, our guests have. Today, we're talking with Sarah Downey, CEO of Michael Guerin Hospital, and Dr. Alan Eves, founder of Stem Cell Technologies. I'm your host, Scott Reed, and you're listening to the Keys to a Better Canada podcast. Let's talk about healthcare. It's not just a social program. Not to most Canadians. It might have started out that way, but the notion that in our country, when you're unwell, you get the care you require without consideration for the amount you can pay, well, that's become an ethic of citizenship. And perhaps naturally enough, it's also become something that distinguishes us from our closest neighbors in the United States, against whom we so often measure ourselves. A publicly funded, single-payer system of healthcare has become truly synonymous with the idea of what it means to be Canadian. And maybe that's why it can be so hard to have a dispassionate, straightforward conversation about what we can do to improve healthcare, to strengthen that system. After all, not every idea ought to immediately provoke fears of privatization, panic, and catastrophe. Let's face it, the pandemic has helped us recognize there are gaps that need to be addressed. Some existed before COVID, some have been caused by it. The system has been put through a trauma, just like we patients, families, and a society have been. How do we help our hospitals function even better? How do we get better outcomes? How do we balance preventative care, home care, elder care, and acute care with greater skill and sophistication? How do we attract and retain top talent, especially after two years of testing our physicians, nurses, and personal support workers to the very limit? And here's a question of a different sort. How might we take our expertise in this single-payer model and, without even necessarily altering any of its core principles, explore ways to better transfer, export, and leverage the ROI we've built up as a so-called Medicare nation? These questions matter, and they're only going to matter more in the years to come. The point is that we don't have to pick between our head and our hearts when it comes to healthcare. That's why we're dedicating this episode of Keys to a Better Canada to building a healthier Canada. And when it comes to health spending, we still spend most money in the last year of life, right? And, and in the first year of life. And those are complex things, right? You know, um, most of healthcare money is spent in salaries of people. So there's an economic impact uh, to reducing the size of a workforce or paying a workforce less than what we pay them, which I can't, I don't think we'd imagine doing. Uh, are we prepared to limit choices of Canadians uh, and Ontarians and what they get at what point in their life in a more serious way? Are we prepared to allow private insurance and private pay to come in? I mean, these are things that as a Canadian healthcare system and something I learned a lot about at Telfer and the Canada Health Act, are things we've never contemplated as a system. And of course, systems, health systems of the world that have private arms to them don't necessarily perform any better than Canada's healthcare system. So, you know, it's this constant tension of, uh, are we delivering the right care to the right people at the right time and enough care and enough choice? And I think if we're going to get at some of that, we're going to have to choose to not offer as much and take away some degree of choice, sadly, for people and, and, uh, and what they get and when they get it. And uh, I'm not a big proponent of that. I think we can still get a little more efficient. We can still delay the onset of illness. We can figure out cheaper ways in part to do it, which is incremental improvement, which is what we've been doing in the system. 
to avoid as long as possible doing harm uh, to people if we don't absolutely need to. Anybody who works in hospitals fully appreciates that you can provide a treatment to a condition uh, within a hospital, uh, but if the conditions are not right outside the hospital, the treatment may not be as effective, may not last as long, or may not work at all. I mean, certainly food and, and, and employment and education and uh, security and safety uh, are more important than any specific treatment a hospital does. But I think hospitals also have to appreciate, and I know they do, that they have a specific expertise uh, relevant to people's lifespans, and that's to diagnose and treat acute illness and injury. And there are big places, and they have big H's outside of them, and they're full of people who have lots of education uh, to best be able to do that. Um, and so you have to partner with people who are actually experts in other things. You know, the patient and their family are experts in them and their living conditions. Uh, you know, maybe it's a settlement organization if somebody's immigrated and had a tough immigration experience. Maybe it's schools if you're trying to help kids who are having behavioral problems in school systems. Maybe it's to find jobs for parents or, or more stability. Maybe it's affordable housing. And, and we spend a lot of time working uh, with community-based partners who have that expertise and have links into communities to match the kind of uh, hospital service we provide with a more comprehensive set of health services and social services that they provide. The tension that Sarah Downey speaks of is at the core of why healthcare conversations can be so challenging. Some will argue the answer is obvious. If we spend less, the system will not only become more sustainable, it'll be forced to innovate. But as Downey points out, that could affect access to quality care for those who need it most. And it removes resources from a sector that generates a huge economic impact as measured by jobs and growth. The remedy comes back to that old standby, innovation. Find ways to do more, but not necessarily just by spending more. So let's talk to someone who understands what it takes to get that done. Dr. Alan Eves is the founder and president of Stem Cell Technologies, a Canadian biotech company with 1,500 employees that provides cell production materials to researchers around the world. He's dedicated his life to innovating in the field of medicine, and he brings a different perspective, one that challenges some of our preconceived notions and suggests a much bigger dose of change. The problem is, you know, we have this Canada Health Act, which, uh, you know, when I was a medical student, it was just being brought in. And, um, and it was going to be wonderful. It was going to cover, the federal government was going to cover, cover half the cost of health care, and the provinces were going to have the other half. Well, over time, of course, the federal government has shifted the cost to the provinces, and the provinces are, it's a huge cost in most provinces. It's limiting their ability to, to grow and to, you know, even pave roads and give secondary education and so on. I mean, I mean it's a good health care system. But it's very expensive, and and it it's all about trying to contain costs. So it's not particularly interested in trying new new therapies and testing things and stuff. I mean, we've got you know ten whatever healthcare systems balkanized in the, each province. So we're not we're not working together, setting standards for you know clinical trials and 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 healthcare performance. Like you know how long should have patient with breast cancer wait to get see a doctor to get a biopsy to get the biopsy you know an, uh, analyzed and 
and, and before they get whatever treatment is appropriate, right? We want to, we need to set standards across Canada. And, and of course, the, then things would pick up and, you know, and, and we'd start thinking, you know, how can we make things better and faster? And what are the new ways we can do it? But we're sort of limited now by the, the cost of this healthcare system. So if we had a small private component to our healthcare system, closer to home and cost-effective, people wouldn't go to the Mayo Clinic, they would spend their money here, right? And, and that would hire technicians and nurses and so on, and, and that money would stay in Canada. I'm very supportive of, of Canada's you know, healthcare system and, and the insurance systems that each of the provinces provide for, to make sure doctors get paid. That works well. But what we're losing is, is the money that's, that's lost because people don't want, want to wait and, and they'll just pick up the phone and make an appointment to get their hip, you know, replaced by going to the Mayo Clinic, right? And, you know, my mother had to wait a year and a half to get her hip repaired. She was in pain the whole time. Once she actually got it done, she was in her mid-80s, once she got it done, you know, she, she never really recovered because she, she hadn't, hadn't been physically active over that year and a half. She wasn't gardening, she wasn't doing, you know, active things. So, so get, doing things in a timely way, especially for older people, is really important and, and not having waiting lists. You know, how do we get around this? Well, I think having a small private component that, you know, wealthy people could use, the money would stay in Canada and it would free up resources in, in the public health care system. This discussion has given us two very distinct perspectives on the future of our healthcare system, informed by two very different sets of experience. And yet both agree on the need for change, for growth, for innovation. Healthcare is, first and foremost, a service, one that we treasure, one that we need, one that heals the sick, comforts the vulnerable, makes well those who are unwell. But it's also an enormous source of economic might, of innovative opportunity, of goods and services, processes, products that can be shared around the world, exported to help others, and harnessed for our collective benefit as a country. We made a decision as a nation more than half a century ago to commit ourselves to a system of healthcare that reflects our values, protects our people, serves our interests. Today, we have an obligation to keep that system strong, to locate the ideas and the political will to ensure that healthcare remains not just a tenet of citizenship, but a source of sustaining and ongoing strength. A healthier Canada? That's a commitment we simply have to keep. Find out more about that and the role that Telfer's playing in helping to push forward that conversation by visiting tlfr.ca forward slash healthier. And on our next episode, we're gonna talk with two Canadian trailblazers in the field of sustainability, and we're gonna discuss how we can build an even greener Canada.